Let's uh, take a moment to pray. Oh, Lord, uh, we're here again. and We've been praising you and lifting you up and listening to you. And, and now, Lord, as we hear this word that, that Larry read and the word proclaimed, Lord, we're asking that you'll do something beyond the human here, that by your Holy Spirit you will descend upon us and speak to our minds, our hearts, and um, touch us, Lord, heal us, move us. And, um, Lord Jesus, we, we know that uh, as we lift you up, we are changed. We pray in your name. Amen. Well, this fall, we've been learning to be more hopeful people, haven't we? We're recharging our batteries and raising our expectations. We're refocusing on the future and playing to our strengths. Um, and a lot of times, you know, when I think about hope, it's not about hope for the long term. You know, sometimes it is, but a lot of times it's just about hope for right now. It's hope for today. Uh, I know that some of you are, maybe this is your first time here or your second time, and I just want to thank you and welcome you, and, and uh, we're so glad that God led you here today. Uh, if you want to learn more about hope, we do have a few extra books left of the, the copy of the book, The Hope Quotient, uh, which most of us here in the church are reading. Uh, if you go to the info table uh, in the center of the foyer, you'll, you'll find that. And... Uh, the, the chapters run parallel to the, to the messages that we're, I'm giving here on Sunday. Uh, if you do, if you do a, a little bit of a survey of hope in the Bible, what you're going to find over and over is that our hope is from God, and only from God. Our hope is in God's Word. Our hope is in God's promises. Our hope is in God's unfailing love. And, and don't put your hope in other stuff. Like, don't put your hope in wealth. Don't put your hope in technology. Don't put your hope in, in pleasing everybody. Don't put your hope in all the idols that everybody else worships. Our hope is in God. And Romans 15, 13 may be the, the possibly the best Bible verse in, in hope. Um, so if you, if you look to the center of your bulletin, if you'll open your bulletin up to the center there, you'll find the outline is uh, written in there. And near the top, you'll see that verse, Romans 15, 13. It's written as a blessing. So I'm going to ask us to all say it together and receive that blessing. Will you say it with me? May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, hope starts with trusting God, which leads to joy and peace. And the result is the flow of hope from the Spirit. Uh, and to be people of hope, we must refuse to go it alone. And that's our theme today, as you've heard. Refuse to go it alone. I am acquainted with someone who has spent several years with very, really, relatively little human contact. He's around people maybe, what, a couple hours a week? Sometimes not that much. Mostly he just sits in his house alone. 
And I've noticed over the years that he's become more eccentric. He's become more socially awkward. It's, it's become harder for him now to have friendships that would help him be happy and, and hopeful. You see, we humans are made for relationships. In Genesis 2, God says it is not good for the man to be alone. Same is true for the woman. Not good to be alone. And we think about relationships, and we think, well, what does success in life look like? Uh, for those of you who have been reading the Hope Quotient, I, I really you know, was caught by the story that it told about uh, Jack Warner. He was one of the original Warner Brothers that created the big movie studio. And at one point, uh, Jack Warner maneuvered to oust his brothers from the company. He cheated on each of his wives. He even wrote his own son out of his autobiography. And like a modern-day Scrooge, when Jack Warner died, hardly anyone attended his funeral. Matter of fact, the rabbi decided to move the service out of the main temple and into a tiny little chapel. Jack Warner was filthy rich, but he lived and died in relational poverty. Today, we say that to be people of hope, we cannot do it alone. In the book of Ecclesiastes in the Bible that, that uh, Larry read for us, the teacher talks about the meaning of life. And if you read the whole book, it's really interesting. He talks about how he tried everything. He tried pouring himself into his work. He tried becoming the wisest man in the world. He accomplished a, a lot and he became very rich. He poured himself into a life of pleasure and lavished himself with entertainment. He said at one point, I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in, in all my labor and this was the reward for all my toil. Yet, yet when I surveyed all my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless. Chasing after the wind. And he figures, you know, we're only on this earth for a short time and then we're all going to die. And he said, really what it comes down to is this honor God, do God's will, and build great relationships. How many of you have ever formed a, a friendship by working together side by side with somebody? Anybody? A lot, most of us probably have. Uh, and I think that's one reason why mission trips are so valuable. You know, you get to be with maybe some people you don't know as well, and you you work there together side by side in this new situation, and you, I mean, that's where friendships are often hatched. I remember as a kid, uh, every summer, my family and I, we'd spend a day or two, usually, putting up corn. Uh, my dad and brothers and I would, would go down to the field, it was about 100 yards from the house, and uh, there we, we would pick the corn, and we would shuck it and silk it, and then we would take it up to the house 
where mom had her operation going there in the kitchen of uh, boiling and blanching and cooling and cutting and bagging. And then we'd take those bags and box them and put them in the freezer in the basement. And I mean, this was just going on continuously all during this time. But what else happened is that working side by side was, was just a great bonding experience for us. Obviously, it was hot sometimes and hard work and tempers flared, but mostly I look back and I say, you know, that was good. And the corn was pretty good, too. So if you're filling in your outline, you'll see some, some uh, blanks there, and you can fill in along the way. And I want us to say, say each point together. Let's start with this one. You can count on a friend to work with you. You can count on a friend to work with you. And that's what the teacher says in Ecclesiastes. He says, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. Two people cooperating can usually get more done than two people working separately. Marilyn Berryman uh, remembers when her mother needed to move into an assisted living facility because of her worsening dementia. And to her, it just seemed like a daunting task to, to move her mom with just her and Larry. But friends showed up working side by side, and with their sense of humor, they even made it fun. Last week, I, I realized that one of Jesus' parables is also about, a, it's also a story about an unlikely friendship. And so I've asked Jeff Inman to come on up and, and assist me here in, uh, in telling this story. So thank you, Jeff. Morning, Steve. How you doing? Good, how are you? Good. All right, ready to go? I am. All right, so, here we go. All right, Jeff, a man is traveling a dangerous road from Jerusalem to Jericho, and there he is ambushed and beaten and robbed and left for dead. And then he hears footsteps, probably the robbers coming to finish the job. Oh, that's bad. Well, no, that's good, because the, the, the footsteps are actually from... Someone who can help. It's a priest. Well, that's good. No, no, that's bad. Because you see, the priest is uh, afraid, you know, he doesn't want to get messy and, and get blood all over his fancy clothes, so he just kind of scoots around and walks on by. Oh, that's bad. Well, no, 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 that's good, because you see, there's a Levite who's following. Levite's kind of like a, an assistant priest. And maybe he won't be, you know, so busy or, uh, you know, have such an aversion to blood. Well, that's good. Oh, no, no, that's bad because, because you see, the, the, the Levite is just like the priest and he just skedaddles on out of there. He skedaddles? Yeah, that's skedaddle. bad. Well, no, no, that's good because, you see, there's someone else coming. And, and this, this, this guy has a donkey and supplies. Looks, looks like he might be a merchant. Well, that's good. Oh, no, no, that's bad because you see, you see, this, 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 this person is what you can tell by his clothes that he's from Samaria. And, and the, you know, there's been a, a feud between the Jews and Samaritans that's lasted for centuries. Oh, that's bad. Oh, no, that's good because you see, this Samaritan has 
compassion. Well, that's good. It is good. <laughs> and that's why he's called the Good, good Samaritan. Samaritan. All right, man. Okay. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you very much. And you remembered all your lines, too. Very good. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's what happens when you get... What did he say? That's good. That's right. That's right. Okay. Well, if you look in your outline, you'll see the, the next verse below that first point. It's, it says, uh, uh, verse, uh, Luke 10, 33, But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came to where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. Now, obviously, this is not an example of working side by side, but this guy has just been beat up, and he's in no condition to work. Life is slipping away, so the Samaritan steps in. And on the outline, you can see the next idea. You can put it up here on the screen. Let's say it together. You can count on a friend to elevate you. Ecclesiastes 4 uh, tells about the value of a friend. In verse 10, it says, If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help him up. When you're down, a friend will elevate you. Someone told me the story that I could sh that gave me permission to share it with you, how hard it was uh, going for her to go through her divorce. She was down and discouraged and hurting, but she had friends next door. And they were, they were people who had just moved in not too long before, and they were just there for her when she needed a hug, when she needed words of encouragement. And these neighbors invited her to church, and they helped her to see that, that God had not rejected her, that God still loved her. They elevated her. And sometimes from a friend, the elevation what we need is a good kick in the pants, right? Oh, that's the kind of elevation we need from a friend once in a while. If we need a friend to tell us, hey, don't sit around and act helpless, just take the first step. And then there'll be another step after that, and you can take that, but just don't sit there. Take that first step now. In the book of, book of Proverbs, it talks about how friends sharpen each other, that we make each other better. Sometimes that means there's a little friction, but that's okay. We can, we can handle that because we, that's how we elevate one another. Look what the Samaritan did to the dying traveler. It says, he went to him, bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine and then he put the man on his own donkey he lifted him literally elevated him and why did he put him on his donkey because they didn't have ambulances right yeah I, I thought it was a little funny but never mind okay now let's say the next one together shall we you can count on a friend to stick by you Many years ago, I was out uh, camping in Colorado. I'm not much of a camper, really, but I, I, I had my own little tent. I was camping with friends, but I had my own little tent, and I uh, had my sleeping bag and my, my foam under the sleeping bag. And, but that, let me tell you, that first night, it was so cold. 
I mean, I was shivering. And I, I, I just, no matter, I put on both pairs of pants that I had, I, my legs still would not warm up. Finally, I put on my stocking hat, my legs warmed up. Go figure, you know. <laughs> now, there was room in my little tent for two sleeping bags. If there had been one more person in my tent, it would have been a whole lot warmer. And that's the picture we get in verse 11 from Ecclesiastes 4. If two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? That was my problem. You see, the basic message of friendship is this. You are not alone. Right? Many others may abandon you, but I will not. You are not alone. That's the basic message of friendship. Will you say those four words with me? You are not alone. Let's say it again. You are not alone. That's the message of friendship. On Thursday, I, I sent out by email and fa Facebook an invitation to, for people to send me their stories of times when a friend stuck by them. Here's uh, Sandy Villadal's story. She said, As a freshman in high school, my best friend and I did everything together, including dressing alike. Then she dropped me for the in crowd. But another friend stayed by my side and got me through all the tough times. She said, today, to this day, we are still good friends and ended up cousins by marriage. A friendship like that is not forgotten. I received another story of friendship from Dean Bowers. Uh, back in the early 90s, he was part of the Voyagers Adult Sunday School class in Ponca City, Oklahoma. And that's where he became friends with Tom and Betty. At one point, Tom was losing his battle with T-cell lymphoma. And even with hospice, Tom and Betty were just exhausted from the ordeal. It was so intense. So, members of the Voyager Sunday School class took shifts to come and help uh, and give them support. Day after day, night after night, they came for several months until Tom died. You know, so many of the stories I, I, that, that came to me were not just about one person. Some of them were, but so many more were about groups of people. Friendship like that is not forgotten. It reminds me of Jesus' parable that it, uh, it says, Then he that is the Samaritan put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and then, what? Took care of him. And I think the last part of that verse is often overlooked when we read this parable. The Samaritan stuck by him, became his personal nurse. You can count on a friend like that. And will you say this one with me? You can count on a friend to defend you. You know, in ancient times, you know how they did battle often was that you would have a sword in one hand and a shield in the other, and so you would be in there doing battle. Now, if you were in the thick of the, of the conflict and there was fighting going on around you, 
you are also exposed, right? Where? You're back. So what you needed was a battle partner behind you so that you could, you would literally have one another's back. And that's the picture we get in Ecclesiastes 4, verse 12. It says, though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. You can count on a friend to defend you. Twenty years ago, a person from Faith Westwood was accused over an alleged incident in her home daycare. She said the first person to show up at her door was Pastor Doug Ferguson. She says he got down on the floor in front of her and, and assured, she said she assured, he assured me that, that uh, God still loved me and he asked me to lift my eyes and, and to look my accusers in the eye and to know that God still loves me, would never leave me. She was arrested, taken to jail. On Sunday morning during the service, it was announced that the Linda Hughes in the news is our Linda Hughes. Her husband Mike was here that day and he was just surrounded by people. Just, you know, supported him and hugged him and um, they assured him that they loved them and that God loved them. Linda was released and sent home on house arrest. And who showed up? It was uh, her Walk to Emmaus group. Now, for those of you that don't know, Walk to Emmaus is a United Methodist retreat. And there are groups you can get into following the retreat. And so 15 people from her group showed up at her door. Linda says, the next Sunday, I was in church uh, playing in the bell choir, facing the whole congregation and after church, she says, so many people just surrounded me in love rather than condemnation. People from Faith Westwood sent cards of love during our difficult time. She said, people in one Sunday school class even took up an offering for us to help pay our, our attorney fees. She said, I felt embraced and loved, and I felt God's grace in all of the people from Faith Westwood. She says, even now, 20 years later, these friends and my Faith, Faith Westwood family have refused to let me go it alone. Some of you remember that, don't you? You can count on a friend to defend you. Going back to Jesus' parable, I don't think I'm reading too much between the lines to think that an unlikely friendship began between these two, an injured Jew and his uh, Samaritan caretaker. I, I imagine them, you know, eating together and talking together and laughing together. And, and, you know, there's also a depth of trust that comes from caring for someone and letting that person care for you. You know, letting that person touch you and treat your wounds. And then comes the day when the Samaritan has to leave. The Jewish man is doing better, but he's not well enough to go home, and certainly not well enough to start working for a living. So in his still vulnerable state, the Samaritan becomes his defense against homelessness and starvation. It says the next day, 
he took out two denarii, two coins, gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said. It was enough money to cover several days of room and board. And finally, let's say this last one together. You can count on a friend to strengthen you. And this final piece of wisdom uh, from the teacher in Ecclesiastes is this. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. One friend will strengthen you, but if you have two or more friends, you will be especially strong. You know, this verse is sometimes read at weddings. I, we, it was read at a wedding here just this month at Faith Westwood. Um, and it, and it's, we, we use it to envision that God is that third strand of the, of the marriage covenant. But it's also true of any friendship. When you have a friend where God is the strand between you that, that bonds you and holds you together, you will be stronger. I received an email uh, this week in, um, from Loretta Neiman about a time when she and Jeff had a big decision to make. Do they follow Pastor Doug Ferguson to, when he's starting a new church, or do they stay here? And there were good reasons on both sides, and she was torn. So she talked to her friend, Linda Dasovic. And all Linda did was ask a question. But it helped her to, to frame this in a different way. She said, Loretta... Are you going to follow the preacher wherever he goes? And that question gave them the wisdom and the strength they needed to make that decision. One more thing I, I especially like about the Samaritan is his promise to come back. You notice that? He tells the innkeeper, and when I return... You can count on it, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. And the injured man knows this. He hears this. He knows that this, this friend is going to return. He's saying, you're not alone. I'm going to see you through this until you're strong enough to go home. And then, as Jesus finishes his parable, he, tell, he asks the crowd, who of these three, the priest, the Levite, or the Samaritan, was the neighbor to the man that was robbed? Or we could say, who was a friend to him? If you're going to be a person of hope, you're going to need friends. You're going to need relationships. And these can be in your family. Many times they are, but also outside of your family. God wants you to have friends like this, to be a friend like this. So I would say pray about it. Ask the Lord, Lord, I, I know I need these kinds of friends in my life. And I want you to know that they are possible. They are within your reach. There are people around you. Don't sit on the sidelines and let life pass you by. Invest in these friendships. Make them a priority. Be the kind of friend you want to have. Now, of course, there's no magic formula to friendship. You, you can't make a certain person become your friend. 
but I do believe that God opens doors. Let him guide you. And you may even discover an unlikely friend, a Samaritan who gets off his donkey. Or you might be that Samaritan. Let's pray. Oh, Lord God, some of us find it pretty easy to kind of keep friendship on a superficial level or we seek friendships that aren't very healthy for us. And, uh, Lord, we sort of ignore deeper possibilities and, and to really let our true self be known to, to trustworthy people. And so, Lord, we, we know that, that here at Faith Westwood, you have, you have, made, you have allowed this to happen. You've, you've facilitated this to happen for so many people. And, Lord, we want it to happen with each of us. Um, Lord, give us the courage that we need to, uh, to step out of our little shell. Give us the courage that we need to expose our, our hearts, our hurts, our lives to a few others, maybe one at a time or in a group. Lord, we know that our hope quotient, our hope level will only rise when we have people like that around us and, we, and their hope level will also rise if we can be that for them. Lord, we also want to just stop and thank you for the people you have put in our lives that have done that for us, who have elevated us, who've stuck by us when we really needed them. We pray in your name. Amen.